Hello and welcome once again to Crazy Comics and Stories. It's me, your charming and delightful old Uncle Rap Bastard. And at the other end of the series of tubes and uh, fiber wires is Joe, Crazy Writer. How you doing today, Joe? I'm actually doing pretty good. It is currently four below. Yes. Which means here in Minnesota, we have to button our coats. And actually wear a hat, baseball hat, probably. Yesterday at the group home, a lot of the staff that I work with are recent immigrants from Nigeria and Liberia, Africa. They do not like this weather much at all. (laughs) To the point where one of them started her car 15 minutes early. I would go mm-hmm. out every five minutes, and once heat was coming out, she said, and I turned the heat all the way up, and then I turned the fans all the way up, and I think in about five minutes, it'll be warm enough to drive. It's like, you you don't belong here. <laughs> you just don't belong here. Because <laughs> what was it? Yesterday morning, went out, didn't even start the car to warm it up, just started the car, gave it a couple you know, you give it about 15, 20 seconds for the oil to start circulating. Then, but I'm on my way. I got to get to work, man. It'll heat up on the way. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I mean, that's, that's the thing with modern cars, and people forget this. You only need about 30 seconds to really get the liquids flowing. Maybe no more than a minute. But people are like, oh, yeah, let my car warm up 10 minutes. No, modern cars don't do need that they don't do that you just want your ass warm which is why when i went out earlier today i had to do my ebay mailings i borrowed chris's car much as i love being up in the pseudo cop car i drive but she's got heated seats and a heated steering wheel i'm like ooh. oh i did have a hat on by the way i do have the uh where i can take my phone and start my car which is nice. We buy a lot of comics, Joe. Do you think? Shh, quiet. Chris is upstairs. She'll hear you. Well, one of the things when we do our previous episode, we tell people we're not going to go through every book we buy. Oh, that was we buy a lot of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, we just point out the highlights, you know, the new issues, the trade paperbacks and hardcovers and stuff. But uh, a couple of years ago, we decided we're going to talk about the stuff that we buy every month or every time it comes out. And I thought I have pulled up the order form for previews. Why don't we go through and point out what series we buy? Now, the only caveat I have is I'd like to start with DC and Marvel. Okay. And then go to Image because... Most of the other publishers, I don't buy regular series because they don't publish regular series. Exactly. They, they actually, and, and especially when you get the Dark Horse, IDW, Dynamite, even Boom, some of them I just downright wait for the graphic novels. So it'll be easier, in my opinion, with to do it that, that way. So and should we for, start? For me with DC and Marvel... I have DC Universe, which is their digital, and Marvel Unlimited, which is their digital. So buying regular series is pretty rare. 
So I will point out the ones that the minute they hit that, you know, the digital, that I, I read them immediately. That way it's not, oh, Corey, what do you buy from DC? Nothing. Corey, what do you buy from Marvel? Oh, so shall we go with DC first or Marvel first? Sorry, I'm easily distracted. I see. I see. Uh, Greg Ketter posted that he Ryan found him a package of Hydrox cookies at the only Cracker Barrel left in the Twin Cities. Oh, I've seen Hydrox cookies in a long time. I, <sighs> I don't eat Oreos anymore now that Hydrox are back. Did you know I'm going to go to the Amazon? Mm. And I know that some people badmouth Amazon, but hey, that's where I'm able to get stuff. Hydrox cookies. Hydrox. Uh, they are currently sold out. Yeah, yeah. That's where you have to buy them. Now I have to go to Hydrox. The problem is it's not even showing up in the search. I'm getting Oreos in the search. Yeah. So that that's... That's a little annoying. And see, I, there we go. Hydrox cookies. You can buy them in packs of six. They are listed as currently unavailable. Yeah, I can believe it. And one of the problems they are having when they're getting into stores because they they don't stack them. You know, basically, you your big companies. Like Frito-Lay, Pepsi, Coke, Nabisco. When they deliver to a store, they stock the shelves themselves. Hydrox is owned by Leaf. Which means that they are, they, they come in with boxes of other stuff. Yep, I'm actually on, it's uh, leafbrands.com. Astro Pop, Fart Candy. <laughs> Tartan Tinies, Wacky Wafers. Oh, they say they're available at Big Lots. Yep. Do we have any Big Lots around? I think so. But what it is, because they don't stock the shelves themselves, Nabisco will come in and they will put their Oreos in front of the Hydrox. And sometimes the stores will see that and fix it. And sometimes they won't. And... That's how their sales really took a huge hit years and years ago. And now, you know, they've gone through a couple different. But I always buy the six packs from Amazon. I like Hydrox better. The cookies themselves aren't as sweet. There's more chocolate to them. They just taste better to me. I've given up Oreos ever since they decided to close the last plant they made in Chicago. And move it to Mexico. So I'm like, I've heard that too. I'm out. That's it. I'm out of here. Let's see. uh, How did Leaf bring back Hydrox cookies? We acquired Hydrox in 2015. We rolled back the formula to get rid of the high fructose corn syrup, replacing it with real cane sugar, removed the hydrogenated oils as well. In addition, in February 2017, we wanted to create a cleaner label for our customers. So we got rid of all artificial flavors and GMOs. I The whole GMO thing, I, I could do a rant on that. Every food you eat is genetically modified. Um, Joe, you ever had an ear of corn? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. Well, I have. 
and you know they're big and they fit in your hands and stuff mm-hmm. uh, without humans modifying corn it's less than the size of your pinky we have mm-hmm. modified all of our food oh yeah um broccoli does not exist in nature it was created same for cauliflower same for all sorts of things dogs were created by human beings there were the wolves that kind of hung out with humans and we bred them for different things etc we created dogs dogs did not exist in nature so our whole oh gmos are scary and terrible no 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 i don't think so and and we've gotten way off track already haven't we i know i see that's my that's what my uh superpower is so are we going to start with dc or marvel i'll start with marvel because i I still buy more marvel than anything else and i'm actually actively reducing it because my discount has actually dropped on discount comic book service. Yeah, it's down to 36% for regular yeah. comics. And considering the reading enjoyment I get out of an average comic from Marvel and DC, I'm, well, uh, there's one reason I haven't switched to digital already is because my eyes, I need to get glasses for that. I mean, I've got reading glasses, but for the price, I'm just, uh, I don't know, but, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the Marvels. How, how do you want me to do this? I mean, you want me to read through what I got and then go from there? Sure. All right. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Now, for Marvel, and this is based off my last order through January, because I actually, I don't keep a spreadsheet because I'm an old fart. I have an actual flip-flop page that I uh, write down what I is that I order. And of the regular series at the moment, still collecting Amazing Spider-Man. I've been, that's, it's one of those that I've always have a soft spot for, even though I have sold off 90% of the issues I have because they're just not memorable enough for me to want to hang on to them. But I still buy them and I'm still enjoying them. I did do a brief gap during the, what was it the dark web crossover? Because I'm going to buy that as a mini series. Yeah. I'm sorry. As a graphic novel and then continue on with amazing Spider-Man. I do like she Hulk. I just, the humor and the romantic intrigue and just, it's just kind of a laid back part of the Marvel universe that I'm enjoying. I do enjoy strange soon to be Dr. Strange finishing up with strange academy i've always dr strange is another character that i've really enjoyed i never picked up all i should say from the was it marshall rogers in the 70s run did he yeah from from that he did a run with uh, roger stern yeah that run forward i've picked up almost every dr strange issue Previous to that, I have them in the omnibuses, and then I just picked up two more omnibuses. So even through Doctor Strange, uh, Sorcerer Supreme, I have the issues. And I've picked up different runs. I hold on to Defenders. So I've always liked Doctor Strange. 
I've been picking up Miracle Man since it's been reissued. We'll talk about that when we get to geeking a little bit more. I'm on the cusp with X-Men. What's the other one? Uh, it just ended, didn't it? Started with an I. Immortal? Immortal X-Men, yeah. Because they, they're going into some Sinister War or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I didn't pick the Sinister War thing up, but I'm going to have to go look at it. Because after the last issue, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have picked it up. Wolverine is always on the edge of dropping, but the last couple issues have been intriguing. I'm not picking up Avengers right now. I decided to tap out and then wait for the inevitable, knock on wood, omnibus. I am picking up the Avengers War Across Time, and when the new group comes in, I'm always interested in picking up when it starts over to number one. I am on board with Fantastic Four. I've been reading Thor. And I think that's about it in terms of just regular issues. I mean, a lot of miniseries, I don't mind. Just looking back a couple months, Savage Avengers, I think, is done. Uh, there were a few I tried. I tried Avengers. I tried Predator. I tapped out. And Star Wars, I don't pick up any Star Wars, which is weird because I really enjoy it when I read it. I just, again, this is the type of things, if I do make the switch, I will probably go to Marvel Unlimited to read it because a lot of Marvel and DC too is getting to the point where I just want to read it. I don't need it in a comic book. I hate the term floppy or in a graphic novel, but if I do read it and it's absolutely stunning miracle man, I'm looking at you. Yeah. I will get it in some type of permanent form that I can have. How about you, Corey? What do you have on your list? That's a must. Well, in your case, must buy or must read. Um, first off, the X-Men that they're putting in the trade paperbacks, you know, how now they're in trial of X, where they're taking the X-Men stories that are part of the main storyline and putting them out in order to be read. I think that's one of the greatest ideas Marvel's ever had. I absolutely love it. I wait for those trades rather than trying to figure out okay i've read this in the x-men now what's next and where does it go from here and nope i don't have to do that um i read spider-man the second it pops up on marvel unlimited as well as any of the tie-ins uh let's see Doctor Strange is another one. Again, like you, I remember the first Doctor Strange book I got was Giant Size Doctor Strange, which reprinted three, four, five, like six Ditko stories. And I was so hooked. And the guy who was giving me his comics when he was done, you know, he was um, college age. You know, college age in the 70s probably smoking a lot of dope he was reading doctor strange <laughs> and the first one i remember was the crossover with dracula where it's you know at the end of the issue dracula kills doctor strange i'm like holy shit fantastic four i read immediately the new ryan north series it has the same sort of starting vibe that spider-man did where reed richards did something terrible and we don't know what it is but we're gonna find out in issue four moon knight i got hooked on Moon Knight is so good. Um, if I had to choose my favorite Marvel book right now, it would be Moon Knight. It's just so, so good. Strange Academy. 
makes me sad that Strange Academy is now called Strange Academy Finals, which means, you know, it's probably going to end. But boy, I got the trade paperback of the first 12 issues. What a fun book. What a By fun book. By the way, book. if you're a speculator out there, I'm trying to sell my run because I'm going to pick it up. That's an instant of something I'm either going to pick up in a I'll probably pick it up in a collected edition because I don't I don't see it necessarily omnibusing. Although everything gets omnibused eventually, but that's the type of run I they just just want. put out the first twelve issues in one book. Yeah, and I just I want one of everything. Yeah, the first and second series because when I want to read it, I don't want to have to run all over Hades looking for it. So, anyways, but it's out there if you want. It's on the eBay's. Make a deal, especially if you're a listener to the show. Issue number one's like a two hundred dollar back issue. Yeah, go figure. Wow. And we, we, I Here's think the we, thing. We it's, a it's a $200 back issue, and yet the series is barely selling well enough for them to continue it. Yeah, the I only other it. two that are have any type of heat on them are when gaslighting showed up in, I think, 14, 15, or 15, 16, one of the two. No, the first series only went 12 issues. Just be wrong. Just stand there and you're wrong. Listen, be wrong and get used to it. Okay. It went 12 issues, then it was canceled, and now it's back with the uh, final exam. Okay, I'll have to I, – I can look up the issues if anybody cares, but I, it is the actual – his first appearance have a little heat on him. Everything else is, you know, five, six, seven, eight bucks, so it's not an expensive series, just that first printing of the number one. I think they went through like five printings. Go figure. The other thing that I get from Marvel, whenever Peach Momoko puts out a comic – Yes, I'll buy the collected, but I also buy the individual issues. That's the only thing I buy the individual issues for, because it's just so pretty. And I, they're almost an investment. I'm actually keeping them aside, because I have a feeling that Peach Momoko is going to be one of those artists who, three, four, five, six, seven years from now, we're going to be looking, and each of those three ninety nine books will be going for $30, 40 bucks. Folks, you've just witnessed a rare occurrence of Corey being wrong. Strange Academy went up to issue 18. Really? Yeah. And number, the two in question are number 14 and 15, first appearance of Gaslighting, who apparently, actually, apparently that's, uh, actually 16 went up too. I'm going to have to look at that that collected edition I got because they said when I ordered it, it was the complete. Yeah, no, it's got to be Academy. It's got to be 18 because I got all 18 issues waiting to sell. The only, the only weird thing, and this is probably because it happened that February, I forgot to order comics. I have a fifth printing of number two or maybe a third printing. I don't have a first printing, which sucks because that first printing's like 150 bucks. So, but whatever. Yeah, nobody was paying attention, and I'm pretty damn sure we we said, hey, you got to check this out when previews it's came around. Because it's Scotty Young. Oh, absolutely. We we're all over. We we're on that like Oprah and a can Can-dam. Yep. And now DC, Joe, what do you get from DC? DC, not as much. I am big. I do like the Batman Superman World Finest, mostly because Mark Wade writes it. Justice Society, I'm jumping on board on because I love Justice Society. I love what they're doing with it. I am picking up 
now these are long mini series. So I don't know if you want to call them as regular series, but I mean, I'm doing the danger street, which I believe we talked about previously. Yes. I like Batman Scooby-Doo just because it's, they're done in one and they're not tied into millions of other things. I'm picking up Wildcats, although I guess it's a mini series. I thought it was a regular series. And I will pick up Justice League when it returns just to see how it goes. Because it's always fun to see what they do with that. Other than that, that's about it. I mean, I'm picking up, I'm looking just at the... I'm picking up like six, seven other mini series, but no other regular series, which is uh, let's way see. more than I was. <laughs> yep. For me, these are the ones that I read immediately. Anything from Milestone. So uh, let's see. Currently, we've got a new static mini series, Icon versus Hardware. Again, same as you, Justice Society, when that and Stargirl show up. I read those. I actually ordered this in print, Mad Magazine. And it's weird. You know, I picked it up when Bill Morrison was editor, when they relaunched with the new number one. Then they fired him, and it was like, okay. And they used up some inventory, and then it went to all reprint. And after picking up a couple in shops, it was like, you know, I like these reprints. These are the... these are the artists that I enjoy and maybe they've got some stuff from the nineties and two thousands, but mostly it's sixties, seventies. So I go ahead and I pick it up. I like the old stuff. I like seeing articles by Al Jaffe and Jack Davis and the parodies by Mort Drucker. And, you know, it's nostalgia. I, I I'm all about the nostalgia. I'm reading the Superman stuff because I read action comics, one fifty. What, 1,050, and I really liked it. So I'm keyed in on the Superman books. For Batman, I'm really only reading Batman and Detective. I'm not reading the 20 other Batman comics that are coming out. Because I, 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 I can't keep up. I can't keep up. It's too many. Every so often, it's like, okay, I'll read a run of this. I'll read a run of this. But I'm keeping up with uh, Batman and Detective because Chip Zdarsky on Batman is really, really good. And Detective is okay. Detective's not as good as the regular Batman book, but I think DC's kind of decided whoever has Batman, that's their number one guy, which is weird because don't you think it should be Justice League? But there is no Justice League comic. Yeah, that is it. For the DC books that I read immediately or buy in the case of Mad. So shall we go to Image? We should, because Image is easy. Savage Dragon doesn't come <laughs> out monthly, but that's the only ongoing series at the moment I buy. Now, I do have to go, excuse me, while I flip backwards away, because there are some series that I buy as trades, like Undiscovered Country. I picked that up as trades. I'm still going back. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm already back in August of last year, and I don't see any trades. So, oh, time before time, I switch to trades. You know, I buy a lot, 
Well, most of the stuff from Image are either miniseries or they're series that started and stopped. And, you know, for example, okay, here's, I'll just read off my, my last January, what I ordered for myself. Almighty, five-issue miniseries. Hexware, six-issue miniseries. The uh, Image anniversary thing, which is a 12-issue miniseries. Stoneheart number one, which I believe I re- you I recommended, or you recommended, so I picked that up. Junkyard Joe, which issue six came will come out in two months. Lovesick, going back into November. Lovesick, I, I picked up to the Power Bomb. I picked up 8 Billion Genies, which we talked about. Love Everlasting, Seven Sons. So again, Image does not have a lot of ongoing series that I collect. There is a few like Saga I've been picking up in trades. Probably will switch that over to some type of compendium or omnibus. So there's a lot I buy, but I don't really pick it up. I think a lot, which we've talked about in the past, there's been times where things will start and never end or like six issues and that's it. And it's like, well, is it continuing or not? So but we look at it and our previews episodes will prove it. We do look and we do recommend quite a bit. And if I don't pick it up in a standalone trade, you know, as soon as if I know it's a miniseries, I'll pick it up. How about yourself, Corey? What kind of things do you pick up? Most of these I pick up as trade paperbacks. So the series that I pick up as trade paperbacks, uh, first off is, you got to scroll back up now. Oh, but there we go. Uh, Department of Truth I pick up as trade paperbacks. Absolutely love that comic. It's uh, a version of the X-Files, except I'm pretty sure that the person who does it has a plan. Whereas with the X-Files, the creator said, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't think I'd ever have to pay it off. Great, thanks. Uh, Deadly Class, I pick up as trades. Let's see what else is still going. Because a lot of these that I pick up as trades have ended. I Hate Fairyland. Oh, my God, I love I Hate Fairyland. Oh, yeah, I, I picked up, I will pick that up as a trade. Just like Paper Girls when it was rolling, I picked that up as a huge, huge compendium. Ice Cream Man. I have fallen in love with Ice Cream Man. It's a horror anthology that kind of disguises itself by kind of being set all in the same universe. And I I have to admit, it's a stupid name. It's a really stupid name. And the name kept me from reading it until I read a number of reviews saying that it's a good horror series. Um, I actually sold my number one for 300 bucks. Jeez. Saga. Saga, I will pick up till the end, which I guess it's not near the end, but it's uh, on the uh, last third of the series. And then Walking Dead, I already have all of that, but I I do like the idea because I've seen it. I've flipped through it. If I did not have it all already in the big compendiums, I'd pick it up this way because in the back matter, um, Kirkman is showing how he wrote out the plot and then notes on how the plot changed from when he wrote it to when he typed it up as a comic script. And I always love that stuff. So I hope that when this is done, he'll just put that out as a book. I would buy that book. I'd buy it right now. Uh, Next up is Dark Horse, Joe. 
And does Dark Horse have any actual series? I don't think so. There's a lot of things that come out. But like uh, Gru's got a mini series that's going on, which comes out. And I think this is the last of the, the run. But so far, it's everything... the last of this story bunch. Yeah, there was three I think separate stories. Three... Yeah. But Ebeneer said that they're going to do it until one of them dies. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, I guess, the View Askew universe. Kevin Smith's world has found a home at Dark Horse. So Quick Stops is being published now, and I've been enjoying that. But for most part, Dark Horse is either graphic novels, especially paying attention to the ones like Neil Gaiman writes. And while I like to pick them up individually, eventually they come out as a collected. That's what I yeah. waited for. I did that with American Gods. I'm waiting for the North, Mytho- North Mythology I'll wait for that, and I will probably pick up. Well, I probably won't, but I won't pick up the collected one because I of some of them, like he did Chivalry, Snow Glass Apples, The Troll. Oh, what was the one? Something with girlfriends. How to pick up girls at parties? Yes, yeah, those I picked up as individuals because I just enjoyed them, reading them, and for the price, it was good reading. So that's pretty much it for me, Dark Horse. How about you? Any Anything comes to your mind? Not really. For me, Dark Horse is all miniseries and trade paperbacks. There's, I don't think they have any regular series anymore. They will have series of miniseries. But they don't do series anymore. And they seem to be more of a book company. And I I prefer that myself. You know, it's funny when you look back on what they have, because Dark Horse has, here's all the new stuff, and then they usually have a section in the back of, here's the stuff in our backlist we're pushing. And so much of their backlist is Hellboy, Grendel, and art books for video games. And even Hellboy and Hellboy-related stuff, those are series of miniseries. So is dark I, there's a part of me that thinks that dark horse is kind of cutting edge in that because Marvel is almost in a lot of ways like image where okay here's Spider-Man by this creator now when it ends okay we're going to start with the new number 1 because this is Spider-Man by this creator and with image a creator comes in and says here's my story here's how many issues it will be and other than spawn and savage dragon they really don't have any ongoing series in the way we think of them even their ongoing series are finite like okay saga will end with this issue deadly class will end with this issue and on and on and on so who was next? We've got Boom. And the only thing I pick up from Boom on a regular basis is their 007 books when they come out as trades. Yeah, for me, it's something that's killing the children. And I again, I have a run that I'm selling. That first issue is crazy money, first couple ones. I just get more enjoyment out of reading it as a mini series and trying to flip through individual 
and somewhere a lot of these what's happened is I'll, I'll pick them up from the beginning because usually I'll recommend it on the preview show and I pick it up and then I'll I'll get to about issue 10 or 15 and I realize, you know, I haven't read these in a couple months. I enjoy it when I do read them, but I go nuts trying to find out where all they, where they all are, you know, if I yeah. haven't put them all in order. So that's why a lot of times, especially if it's something I know I enjoy, like Die from Image. That was one I really enjoyed. So I sold the first six issues and then came out in a beautiful hardcover edition and I cannot wait to crack it open and reread it at least the first six and then read the rest of it. So, and that's pretty much a lot of how my collection goes. People are like, Oh, you've been collecting forever. You must have a lot of good stuff. I said, well, you want to give me 300 bucks for an ice cream one so I can go out and buy a trade paperback and something else. <laughs> hey, mwah, I love you. Actually, I think it was a one through 18, but that's a different subject. So well, that, and you sold off a lot of yourself when you owned your shop. Well, yeah, the good stuff when I sold the shop and then the great comic purge, what was that, 2018? Yeah. Took two years to do and I just, and yeah, sometimes I regret I did it, but there's nothing that I sold that I cannot get again, especially in terms of Marvel. I keep talking to myself, why the hell did I just get Marvel Unlimited? (laughs) Stop talking about it, right, or do it. And I think that's one of the things about comics for yeah, if if I would not have stopped buying individual monthly issues, by this point it would have taken over every room in the house. Because there's only you, you there's finite space. And digital means I don't need to pick up that Captain America run because it's on my tablet all the time. Now if Marvel Unlimited goes away then that would be something. But I don't see Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe ever really going away. They may get rebranded. They may get changed. But, boy, they got to really like that, getting that, I forget how much it is a month, or that 70 bucks a year. And basically, all their comics are digitized anyway, so it costs them, only costs them bandwidth because they got to store the damn comics anyway. It works for them. Now, I think 007's with Dynamite, yeah. not Boom. So, uh, Boom, I don't read anything other than I pick up the trade paperbacks like you do of the sort of event, sort of their their series like House of Slaughter, something is, <laughs> you know, something is after the children. Um, I'll be picking up Berserk berserker when it comes out as a trade but nothing there really jumps out at me other than those books and that's i don't follow the the publishers i follow the creators james tynan the fourth oh he's really good at these horror books i will pick up his horror books when they come out as trades every i i try every so often with dynamite to get into their project superpowers but it's like, okay, here's Project Superpowers. Oh, cool. And then nothing for like a year. And then the next thing comes out, and it's not really connected to it. And it it, it doesn't really, it kind of ties in, but not really. And it's by completely different people. And it's just too much of a pain in the ass. Because when it started, it was Alex Ross kind of as the director. 
Well, he's moved on. Other people come in and they pitch things and, oh, what a cool idea. Does it fit? Eh, it doesn't matter. So I think the Project Superpowers is going to be very much a who's the creative team on it and I'll buy it as a trade rather than following that superhero universe. And now the rest. The rest. <laughs> I buy everything from Ahoy. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> Whatever Ahoy puts out, I buy it. There you go. Most of the stuff I tend to buy are miniseries, with the exception of three as I'm looking. Well, four, actually. Uh, IDW, their regular Star Trek book, I've been really enjoying. And what's funny is as I go through the YouTubes, I keep seeing headlines, mostly listed by Google. This is happening in Star Trek, and they're not referring to something that's going on on TV. They're referring to the comic strips. So IDW is getting some press, at least from some outlets. Kenzer has Knights of the Dinner Table, which I it's one of those books like Savage Dragon. If I had to cut down to nothing else, I would continue buying that just because it's like revisiting friends. And Opus, they are officially six months behind. Yeah. Because I'm looking on my DCBS, my DCB service order, and it's, okay, I've ordered 301, 302, 303, 304, 305, 306. 300 just came out. There is a book right above that that I want to point out because it's not in previews. So you may have missed it. But you could get it through DCB service. Joe, did you order Carnal Confessions by our friend Sora Sung? I don't think so, because I always picked it up Kickstarter. It is available in uh, the DCB service. It is a new series, starting with number one through Legends Comics. Legends? Yep. Cool. By the way, if you're uh, on your uh, DCB service, it is line item 1511. <laughs> cool. Got that in my book. There you go. Let's see. I've been picking up Death Dealer from Opus, which I've enjoyed. The only other thing I pick up regularly is from Tomorrow Press Back Issue magazine. Because it is... The Bronze Age book, and I, I I absolutely love it because a lot of this stuff are things I either picked up in back issue bins or picked up off the newsstand. So it brings a lot of memories back, and then it also gives me the drive to want to go back and pick up stuff. When we get to geeking, I'll talk about the latest issue because I had a chance to read through it. And oftentimes when I'm doing that, I have to look and see, geez, do I have that in my collection? Or I look on the Ebays or I put it on my want list, you know, that when I, when I run around the comic store. So if I do see it, I'll pick it up so I can read it or reread it. I'm going to flap back a little bit and see if there's any other series. But are there any other series you pick up regularly in the rest? I do pick up uh, Cerebus in Hell. It is where Dave Sim is taking he can't draw anymore so what he does he has all these poses of cerebus and all this classic art from dante's inferno and he uses them to make comic strips and i 
I'm trying to find the best way to put this. I know that Dave Sim has gone completely off the rails, batshit insane. And I know that sometimes his humor is he is an older man and he does not understand gay people, women. (laughs) But for every misfire joke, there's two good ones. I like Dave Sim's work. I will pick up his stuff because, you know, look at, um, what was it? Glamour Puss? In the back of Glamour Puss, here's this beautiful story about Alex Raymond as he's making fun of the fashion industry. And when I go back and I read the the front book, it's like, I don't understand. I, di- I guess I don't read fashion magazines. I don't know anything about fashion. But boy, this stuff here about Alex Raymond is damn good. Um, when what are the American whatever American mythology when American mythology finally gets off their ass and publishes a Don McGregor Zorro book I buy it McGregor's been done with these Zorro scripts for a year now and we've only had two issues out so thanks American mythology Thanks for not getting your shit done. Uh, I pick up the Kenzerco stuff too. The uh, I don't get the bundle bundle of trouble, but I do pick up Knights of the Dinner Table, and sometimes they have specials like the uh, Cattle Punk special or things like that. When it comes to Tomorrow's, I pick up Back Issue. I pick up Alter Ego, which is more golden and early silver age they had a really good thing in alter ego last month where roy thomas published the letter the emails between him and stan when roy was writing the spider-man comic strip and they're really fun it's a really you really get to see the friendship between those two guys and the shorthand they kind of have in talking about the stories I pick up the Jack Kirby Collector, which is phenomenal. Just phenomenal, phenomenal magazine. It's a quarterly. They have access to a whole bunch of Kirby original art. They've got the great articles. There are times when I went to beat my head against the, the wall when they go into their Jack created everything and nobody at any at DC or Marvel had anything to do with it. Nah! Thankfully, that's not overwhelming there are you can tell who's going to say that you know there are certain people after you've read about five issues you go okay this guy's going to be doing some stand bashing this guy's going to be bashing Carmine Infantino because that's the, the that that's who they are and it's what they do and then the publisher warrant magazines which is basically doing uh warren style magazines they have um shutter and Vampiris Carmella. And these are two black and white magazines that are putting out book, putting out comics, a lot like the creepy and eerie. The art isn't as good, but they do have some of the writers from that era who are still with us. I do wish that they'd sort of pick up some newer writers. And they're again, the art is... The art can be anywhere from good to passable, but I enjoy them. I like, 
I like horror anthologies. It's a fun package. And it, again, a lot like uh, some of the other stuff that I buy. It's more a big nostalgia pump. Where I did not buy the Warren magazines as a kid because, one, I didn't have the money for them. Two, they didn't show up that often. And three, if I would have brought them home, mom and dad would have said, hey, there's titties in there. You can't be looking <laughs> at that. But now that I have all of Creepy and Eerie and Hardcover, and I love the Marvel Horror mags of the 70s, the Marvel Black and White mags, what a fun package they put together over the years. It, it, the, those are those are my jam because I had not read all of them. So here it is. I start collecting them in the mid-90s, and it's like, all right, here is some Bronze Age Marvel that I've never come in contact with. Ooh, de lolly, ooh, de lolly. That's going to be fun. And that's really about it for regular comics that I buy that we don't talk about in previews. Now, unless you get disappointed because you can say, really, that's all you guys buy. I counted. I got other than the titles we talked about. I still got about 50 other things that I picked up <laughs> ranging from miniseries to one shots to. And we talk about the miniseries and one shots. We do. And, you know, even some of the things which I see. Well, I've chided dynamite about. I do love the Atlas comics because those are the ones where they actually have the creator sign the book i just picked up the one oh i don't even know where it is i think it was tarzan lord of the jungle i think it's lord of the jungle they're not calling it tarzan yep. but dan jurgen signed it somewhere in my collection i have a the ann rice atlas where she signed it and i forget what the heck the comic was i just she signed it enough for me so, and I do enjoy that. Matter of fact, you want to sucker me into a comic, just sign it and I'll probably pick it up. Even if I have no intention of reading it, which is why I picked up Fearless Dawn from Asylum, because all the issues are signed. I mean, once I get the miniseries, I'll probably read it. But that means I have to open it. It's not meant if I open it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know who you can open and use their stuff and it it, it doesn't decrease the value at all, Joe? We're not going to get sued on this, are we? No, it's our sponsor. You can open up that that uh, that file and run it on your computer, and it will protect you from all sorts of evil all over the Internet. Matter of fact, here's their ad. Our newest sponsor is NordVPN. Let's be honest. If you're out on the Internet, you need a VPN to protect you. There's all sorts of things going on on the Internet where people can track you. You could accidentally download a keylogger. Uh, all sorts of things. NordVPN gives the best security possible. It has a password manager which generates complex passwords, syncs across all your devices, stores your notes and credit card information. It also gives you 10 gigabytes of private cloud storage, um, secure files that backs up your data automatically. But the main thing it gives you is peace of mind. It gives you peace of mind when you're um, out on the internet, when you're streaming, when you're playing games, when you're listening to podcasts like this one. It gives you safety anywhere at any time. It protects your online activity. You get full access to all content. And if you use the link, go.nordvpn.net, sh3ku, 
it'll take you to where you can get a great deal for a one-month plan, a two-year plan, a one-year plan. They are our newest sponsor. We're happy to have them. And if you would like to sponsor something here at any of the podcasts on the Solitaire Rose Network, you can. Just email me, solitairerosenetwork at gmail.com. Thanks. You can also open the podcast that I do here. The Solitaire Rose Radio Network is currently on a pause, basically because COVID-19 has made it so that uh, I have to work a lot of extra hours at both jobs. But you can still go and listen to my other podcasts. Now, you're probably listening to Crazy Comics and Stories, which is the main podcast. But on this same feed, K-R-A-Y-Z-C-O-M-I-X, is Solitaire Rose Radio, the East solo radio podcasts that I do. Um, I've done interviews, I've done short stories, I've done all sorts of things, and you can get to it right here on this same feed. I also do a podcast called Novelcast, where I take the novels I've written and turn them into free audiobooks. That's over at novels.solitairerose.com. Dangerous Dan Moore and I, and of course Wolfie Be Bad, give you Bad Advice over at badadvice.solitairerose.com. You send in your questions, and we give you the aforementioned bad advice. And then myself and Adam Vermillion from For the Love of Comics do the Fantastic Forecast at fantasticforecast.solitairerose.com, where we go through the issues of the Fantastic Four, four issues at a time, to give the plot and commentary on each issue. That's not all. Yes, I'm crazy. I still over at PWInsiderElite.com every week on Wednesday do a recap of the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. I write up what happened and then myself and Anthony Pyrus will do an audio. Now you can only listen to the audio if you're a member at PWInsiderElite.com and if you're a wrestling fan you should be where we then break down the episode, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, give it a grade and let you know if you should have watched that episode. Those are the other podcasts here at the Solitaire Rose Radio Network. Thanks. And now it's time for one of our newer segments, and that is Retro Reviews. Woohoo! Joe, do you have your Retro Review ready? I done does. Woo! I picked out from okay i'm not gonna fool you i'm putting on my readers <laughs> josie and the pussy cats this is from spring of 1984 issue number two this is a series that came out it only lasted four issues from what i can tell and this was actually considered volume two although i don't believe they do it so it starts out the front cover and of course this is all approved by the comic codes authority and it actually has a number on it four six nine eight six in case you didn't believe it i apparently have the newsstand copy because it has a what do we call it upc code on it whereas the non-upc code let's see if i can find it here it has a picture of Josie playing her guitar in black and white where the, the, uh, whatever you, where the box would be. So on the cover is basically just a sight gag. It's 
uh, the three pussy cats looking at three cats in similar color tones, looking at a poster of Josie and the Pussycats live Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the hottest cats in town. And it was drawn by Dan DiCarlo and Allison Flood. The inside ad is for a Bart Simpson's Unplugged on Game Boy and Game Gear, if you remember that. Check it out, man. Bart's taking it on the road with a new portable hits. He's on lead, live, dangerous, and touring the world in three chart-topping Simpson smashes. So grab your gear and get ready to jam with the boys. Nobody plays like the legendary Bart Simpson, uncut, uncanny, and totally unplugged from acclaim. Now, the first, the, well, yeah, let's just do it. The first one is called Love and War, scripted by Frank Doyle, pencils by Dan DiCarlo. Essentially, the synopsis, Josie and the Pussycats are challenged to a duel by another band. Their van crashes on the way there. Some strangers come by and steal their instruments. How dry and boring. Reading it, it's actually kind of fun. What I love is, of course, Melanie. Melody, everything, word balloons, she has notes in them. Because if you recall, she basically sings every time she talks. And I don't know if that was occurred in the Silver Age or if that was just something that happened when the cartoon came out. So they get this card and they're like, oh, time out, girl. Someone sent us flowers. Read the card. Which one of us got lucky? Nobody. It's Amon. 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 Not signed. It's a poem. <laughs> but how do we know one of us? It's which one of us is for? The Pussycats in Toto. Isn't he in Kansas with Dorothy? You remember they got back from us. No, 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 Melody. In Toto means all of us. The Pussycats. The flowers are for all of us. Oh. Anyways. Pussycats. How we love you. We have a gig at the Midnight Blue. If you want that gig, we'll tell you true. If you show up, we'll bury you. That's not a gift. It's a threat. Some rival group trying to cut us out. So they get in their pussy van. I guess that's what you could call it. Alan apparently is sitting in the van the entire time because he takes off driving it. They accidentally crash. So him and. Uh... Wait, I don't remember the characters. It's just some roadie. It looks like he doesn't have a name. So they run off to go get spare parts. Meanwhile, a truck shows up. Hey, are you the pussycats? Your friends said you couldn't. they couldn't get the part for the car, so they're going to rent a car pick you up. They asked me to pick you up and take your equipment to Midnight Blue. So they give their equipment, only to find out that, no, we didn't send anybody there. We got the part right here. You gave our equipment to some stranger? We've been robbed. Well, the Pussycats get the car going. They get there, and they discover that apparently tonight the Snake Brothers are playing. And when they get there... The owners are like, sorry, girls, Snake Boy said your van broke down. I had to get a replacement. Hey, that's our equipment. These sidewinders behind that's our site. They're the ones who did the hijacking. Of course, denial's all around. And Melody comes up and goes, that's my drum. Of course, it's got Pussycat all over it. Nope, not on this one. Can't you smell the paint they sprayed over our name? How do our heroes get out of this? This one, Melody says. I keep... Not a real drum. It's where I keep my costume in case of an emergency, proving they are the Pussycats instruments. The owner grabs the rival band, throws them out. When, as, they, as they leave, the guys are screaming, how about paying us for those flowers we sent you? 
yeah, I didn't think it was funny either. But they were, they were cute moments in it. Only the whole Oz thing in the beginning. Then comes the first ad page. Page 400. I don't know why it says 400 on the bottom, but it's basically you get a chance where you can get three 48-page giants. Reggie's Revenge, number one. Jughead Baby Tales, number one. And The Carnies, number one. You can pay by credit card, too, if you want. There's an editor notebook where they pretty much talk about what's going on above me. Now, the next features, I'll just go quickly because these are the rest of the series are all reprints from other issues. If you can't tell by the art because of the just the style, that's probably because most of the art's done by Dan DiCarlo, and he's damn good. But the next one's a six-page story called... Uh, Work of art, an art gallery, Pussycats foil an attempt for stealing a priceless painting. Then there's a two-page ad from Konami, who just took your favorite TV shows off. Why? Well, because they put them on Game Boy. Apparently, Game Boy was big back in 94. Oh, yeah. Teenage Turtle, I can't even say it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Radical Rescue. Tiny Toon Adventures, Montana's Movie Madness, and Batman, the animated series. And they have a hint line. 70 cents per minute charge. Minors must have their parental's permission before calling, if you remember that. If you need help (laughs) with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game... (laughs) <laughs> the next story is to Grandmother's House, which was published in Josie and the Pussycats from 1969. The one above it was from a 1969 issue 53. And again, this is Frank Doyle, Dan DiCarlo. Synopsis is a little more involved. Valerie leaves town before an important gig, claiming she needs to visit a sick grandmother Josie, Melody, and Alexandria, who replaces her in the band while she's away, don't buy the old sick grandmother cliche and assume that Valerie's making some kind of tragic sacrifice to help the pussycats. They think they know what it is as they realize the club they're playing at is owned by someone who unsuccessfully hit it on Val. And so when the the pussycats get there, they play terribly, and they get the audience all upset, and then a guy runs out, Valerie's missing. That's why you sound so terrible. And they're like, wait, you're not Charlie. Jack. Who are you? I bought this place. Now, where's Valerie? Why did you send her off to her fake grandmothers? What? Quiet. And they realize it's a misunderstanding. So they play well. Valerie shows up and says, Grandma, it's okay, gang. I hope you didn't think I deserted you. Visiting a sick grandmother sounds so phony. I thought maybe you didn't believe me. Us? Ridiculous. Never gave it a thought. Now, of course, the story is interrupted by something. Corey, can you guess what that might be? Uh, Would that be the ad for a Saturday morning lineup on TV? No, but it is interrupted by a two-page poster that reprints the best of Josie and the Pussycats from Archie 2001 series number one. Basically, it's Dandy Carlo with Allison Flood inking and colors by Barry Grossman of the Pussycats skiing and Melanie wiping out. Let's see. Now we have the the Super Saver subscription form. So I'm just going to read off. You have a choice between a six-issue subscription 
package, a multi-issue or a six-issue digest subscription or a six-issue double digest subscription, ranging anywhere from six bucks to 13. Your titles for the comic books, Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, Betty and Veronica, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the cover price on these were all two bucks. So that gives you an idea how much you're, you know, six bucks for every book. You're actually saving a bit of money. In the multi-issue comic book series where they actually published 12 a year, you got World of Archie, Archie and Friends, Betty and Veronica Spectacular. The Digests were Laugh Digest magazine, Archie Andrews, Where Are You, Betty and Veronica, Archie, and Jughead Jones. Both names on that one. So, and again, payment by credit card. Let's see, there's an uncredited Melody pinup. Melody, you bought everything except flypaper. Oh, you're kidding me, Mom. You know flies can't read. I wonder where I get my dad jokes from. That's actually, the next one is a story. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. The, apparently, the pinup is from uh, Josie and the Pussycats, 1969. The next story is Braun is beautiful, furious at the way Josie swoons over Alan M. Alex fires him as the pussycat's roadie, but that means he has to carry their equipment himself. This is from a 1969 series. The next story is a six-pager from Archie's TV Laugh-Out Digest number 62 and 78. Let's see. The pussycats are set about exposing a charlatan psychic who's gotten his hooks into mr cabot mr cabot being alan's father the last couple pages are there's you can earn cash prizes two dollars profit per item by selling i'm not sure what you're selling ask for sales kit 284 and call 1-800-286-5236 for the official sales leadership club so apparently you're selling something. And of course, these are all cool things. I mean, <laughs> we talked about Game Boy. There's one there. There's a Super Nintendo. There's a uh, multi-power microscope. There you could get a full bicycle by only selling 82 items. 27 for the Game Boy. I'm wondering what the hell you're trying to sell. You, you get two bucks for everything you sell, but it doesn't tell you what you're selling. People call that number, 1-800-286-5236. Sorry, operators can't answer questions, but your kit will. The call is free, free, free. Next page, Capcom is advertising more fun than a barrel of abus. It's the Super NES Aladdin. Disney Aladdin, that is. Final back page, give me a break, give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. And, of course, they have a broken foot for break a broken window for the second break, an off switch for the off, and the peace sign for peace. And then, of course, the Kit Kat bar. There's a lot packed in here for two bucks. And this is this was actually kind of fun reading. The jokes are, yeah, they're what you expect from Archie, but some of them are actually pretty clever. And, of course, Dan DeKyler art is always fantastic to look at. And this is not a terribly expensive book, but because it's not terribly expensive good luck finding it Cole, what you got for us this weekend retro review i have a book from 1984 and joe will probably um be able to throw in a bunch of stuff because i believe he just recently read it 
Miracle Man number one. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. It is from Eclipse Comics. It was 75 cents at a time when Marvel books were a dollar. And the reason for that is that they were using really cheap paper. They expected a lot of sales for this. So it was part of a project Eclipse had where it's okay. If we're able to sell these for 75 cents and make a profit, we could do this with other books. And they wanted to kind of use Miracle Man to become more mainstream. Eclipse was very much a artist creator driven company, a lot like Image. In that everybody who had a series at Eclipse owned everything about it. They were one of the first companies that did not publish any books that were owned by Eclipse. That, of course, changed later on. But that's why the book Miracle Man number one was so cheap. They printed a lot of them. But because it was printed so cheaply, a lot of them got damaged. But that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the first issue. The first issue starts with Wait, what seems to be. I have, a, I have a question be... for you, Corey. Sure. Now, I, I, I've been alluding to the fact that I'm, I'm very happy with Miracle Man, and I'll drop the ball that I read it because I cracked open my omnibus. But the weird thing about it was, it only says it was done by the original writer. What, what, what does yours say? Well, I'm looking at the comic. And it's by Alamore and Gary Leach. And it says so on the cover. And that was the reason Eclipse thought this thing would sell through the roof. Alamore was huge, just off Swamp Thing. This is before Watchmen, before V for Vendetta, before any of that. He was coming off the explosion in popularity from Swamp Thing. And this was actually a British comic that he did before that. I don't want to get in too deep because anytime you get into the history of Miracle Man, it gets really messy. But the story starts with what seems like a reprint. And I still, to this day, I'm unsure if it's a reprint or not. But it starts with a story set in 1956, drawn in the style of the Marvel Man comics back at that time in England. It's very much like a much more serious Captain Marvel story. It's about invaders from the future. They're coming from 1981. And their plan is to invade 1956 and take over the world with their superior weapons. And Marvel Man, young Marvel Man, and kid Marvel Man stop them. And then things change. And what page is it? It is page... There we go. Page 11. We zoom in on Miracle Man's eye and we get the uh, famous poem. Behold, I teach you the soup. I teach you the Superman. He is this lightning. He is this madness from the poem. Thus spake Tharasrusta, which is also the song they use in 2001 A Space Odyssey. And Ric Flair uses it, too. So. We then go to book one, chapter two, which is in 1982. Mike Moran, who is a freelance reporter, is on his way to a nuclear protest. 
This is written by Alan Moore, drawn by Gary Leach. This was for a magazine that came out under Dez Skin called Warrior, which was, you know, 2000 AD was kind of thought of as aimed at teenagers. Warrior was going to be aimed at adults. It was comics aimed at adults. And they started with this. And it starts, he's, uh, Mike Moran keeps having this dream of being a superhero and flying. But every time he has the dream, he has horrible headaches. So he goes to this uh, protest and he's going to interview both sides. But as he's there, things break down and it looks like that there is going to be an explosion. And as things go bad, he sees he looks up and he sees a reflection of the word atomic and it triggers a memory. And he says the word Kimoda and becomes Miracle Man. And it's very much a, you know, oh, my gosh, this is a superhero and people do what they do you, you know, on the adventures of Superman. They shoot their guns at him and the bullets bounce off and he he takes care of the bad guys. And then in chapter three, he goes home to explain to his wife what the hell happened. And he talks about his origin and he gives his origin and he talks about young Miracle Man and Kid Miracle Man and some of the villains they fought, such as uh, Young Nasty Man and uh, Firebug and the freakish dwarf genius, Dr. Gargunza. And she does what any person would do if you heard a story like that. She laughs. She talks to him about how this is so ridiculous, and he's just furious because this is his life. He then tells the story of what happened, why Miracle Man has been gone so long. There was an alien ship that the uh, Miracle Man family went to investigate. It exploded in the explosion. Um, Let's see here. In it, uh, he did see that Dickie, Dickie Dauntless, who was, uh, I think he was Young Miracle Man. Yeah, he was Young Miracle Man. There were two of him, two bodies crushed into one. He was screaming. I couldn't hear him, but he was screaming. Um, Two months later, he was in the hospital. I was Mickey Moran. I was in the hospital with terrible burns and most of my bones broken. I put my life back together and I didn't even remember that I had been Miracle Man until 20 years later this morning at the power station. We then see someone in an office building notices that Miracle Man is back, is furious. And we then are taken to, he then gets, I'm sorry, he then gets a phone call from uh, Johnny who was Kid Miracle Man. And he goes to meet him at the business he has drawn, talks about how he, too, was caught in the explosion, et cetera, et cetera. But as Mike Moran is talking to him, he realizes Johnny never turned back into Johnny. He's always been Kid Miracle Man. And that is our cliffhanger. The art by Gary Leach is amazing. The color is terrible. The problem is this was drawn as a black and white comic. So 
it was drawn and inked in such a way that it didn't need the color, but they slapped color kind of on top of it, and the color doesn't mesh well with the art. And I really wish in the omnibus Marvel would have reprinted the stuff that had been done for Warrior in black and white because the art was originally black and white until they ran out of the stories in Warrior. But there are a few things about this. First is that everything happens so fast. If this were a modern comic, everything that's done in these 30 pages would have taken six six issues minimum but it's just boom 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 and half the book is an old miracle man story so all of the things that happen him regaining his powers him talking about his origin setting up the fight with um with uh young miracle man all of that 30 pages the other thing is Moore puts all of the clues there for everything that's going to happen through his run. They're all there. And when you read and then go back, you'll see that everything he mentions pays off by the end of his 16 issues. This is one of the best constructed stories you're going to read. And it's why Alan Moore became such a such a towering figure in comics writing because under the Stan Lee thing, it was okay. We're going to make it up as we go. And there were some writers who would tie it all together. And Roy Thomas was infamous. So, Oh, here's this thing floating over here. I'm going to bring it in and pay it off. But this was the first comic in the mainstream audience that was written as a novel. And Moore is just so good at the construction of the story. The characters themselves are kind of every man. You know, Mike Moran is just a guy. His wife is just a woman dealing with these overwhelming events. And it was one of the first books that did that. What if a superhero were in the real world? It's so good. And going back and reading it just as a first issue, I can see why when I read it back in 84, this this was a comic that when you were done with it, you, you knew everything had changed, that comics were growing up, that you're not going to be able to get away with a lot of the stupid shit that we we enjoyed in superhero books and kind of waved our hands with, ah, you know, nope. The bar was raised. I and it's one of those times where in comics where somebody put out a story so good that, OK, it was a challenge. You guys, you're going to need to catch up. I, I well don't, worth reading. Well, I worth. don't see this uh, Alan Moore listed anywhere. Why, why isn't he listed on this omnibus? Alan Moore has taken his name off it because he's a well, No, he was promised. When they started reprinting it, no, oh, it was it was the Captain Britain thing. Yeah, yeah. The Captain Britain book in England, the copyright laws are different. So he wanted credit for the characters he created in Captain Britain. And Joe Casada, when he put the deal together to to reprint Miracle Man, said, "We'll do that." 
We'll take care of it. And then production fucked it up. And for Alan I also, Moore, I also who has recall. Been, and for Alan Moore, who'd been screwed over by Marvel in terms of royalties and reprint rights and copyright, he was like, yeah, once again, you promised that you'd fix it and you didn't. Fuck you guys. I don't want my name on any of this. I also recall Quisada flew over to personally apologize to Moore. Which he allegedly accepted. Yes. But he now, still didn't question, put his name on it and he didn't question, want any money from it. The, that's the other question. You know, it's like if you if you're rich enough to be able to do that, good. But on the other hand, Marvel would just say, fine, fuck you, we're gonna put your name on it anyways. But <laughs> so they always they're they're always somebody God, who who was it Nick said was calling every year from DC would call Alan more about doing something for him. And Alan said, well, do I get the rights to Watchmen? No. Okay. Yeah. yeah I don't know who it was, but yeah, they do that every year. I don't uh, think they do. I think the person who did it is left DC. So probably. Yeah. But Tom Brevoort every year calls John Byrne. And asks if he wants to do something for Marvel and John Byrne says, no, they've even, you know how Byrne's doing his own X-Men thing. Mm-hmm. They've even offered to print that, and he says no. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta. I, I. People say well, you gotta admire that, and I said, eh, in a way, I don't. I mean, fine. You, you've got enough money and canolas to, uh, to do that. But there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people that would literally give you every tooth in their head much less their eye teeth for similar circumstances. But whatever works for you, you got to be you. That's really the bottom line. And I don't want to turn this review into talking all about Alan Moore, but Moore seems to be a guy who, if you screw him, he's just done. And and if you work in the comics industry, you're going to get screwed. And I, there are a lot of people who, well, why is he so mad about Watchmen? And I want you to go back to 1986. And I want you to think, how many books, how many comics were kept in print? None. Even uh, Origins Marvel Comics. Oh, it's this huge trade paperback. It went out of print. The Silver Surfer book that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby did went out of print. DC, they didn't keep trade paperbacks. They didn't have trade paperbacks. Trade paperbacks were so new that when uh, Dark Knight was put out as a hardcover, they said, you know, okay, it's going to be a hardcover and then a trade paperback. And the comic shops freaked out. What do you mean? There's only going to be 4,000 of them. Well, that's the sign limited edition. But we want it. You're going to get it. It was a new thing. And Moore signed that contract and DC Went all over. This is the most creator-friendly contract in the world. Well, it wasn't. And then, you know, I doubt either of them knew they would be keeping Watchmen in print for 35 years. The other question is, is Alan Moore returning all those checks the past 20 years? I believe. Is he like like Steve Didko was? Yeah, Steve may not have talked about spider-man but he certainly was getting those checks and cashing them from what i've heard 
more will have the checks from the reprints of the books, but any money from Hollywood, including from hell. Nope. Yeah, again, if he's got enough money to do that, that's fine. There is something to be said for somebody who has a philosophy and sticks to it. That can afford to live that way. Right. I don't see many people who can't afford to live that way, living up to that type of philosophy. Although I have at times, you know, I won't do a job where I'm doing sales. You know, retail's one thing, but, you know, doing sales. Oh, commission? I, yeah, commissions. Yeah. I won't ever do that. Um, I was offered a job at Home Depot. And I turned it down. And this was during the Great Recession. And I turned it down because when I did the job interview, three-fourths of the interview was about, okay, if people are talking about forming a union, what are you going to do to stop it? Within the Really? Law? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and they offered me a job. And I said, no, I, 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 I would not do that. And they were so desperate, they called six months later and offered me the job again with a 20% raise. And I said, I still wouldn't do it. And this was when I was working at the movie theater and the group home because it's no, I'm you're an unethical company. I'm not going to do that. And I think we all have our line, you know, there, there are just, there are some things I won't do. And Lord knows I've done a lot of things that a lot of people wouldn't do. I worked at Schinders for four years. We sold hardcore pornography. Which always amused me when I had my shop because a lot of people brought their kids there not realizing when you walk behind that door that says for 18 not allowed. No, the way, no, they don't. And the way they brought it in, they were really they were really smart because they'd been around for a while, but they were kind of really sneaky about it because the in Prairie store was the last new store they opened. So when they opened, they had the back room and they didn't have hardcore. They had Playboy and, and, you know, newsstand dirty magazines, but the, you know, the stuff that, you know, Playboy and penthouse and stuff like that, they didn't get into the really hardcore stuff. And for videos, they just had girl, girl. And those were the only videos they had. They had no uh, gay. They had no uh, gay, gay videos, gay books, gay magazines, except for uh, Playgirl. And I, I, the only women I ever saw by Playgirl were women who, oh, this is for our bachelorette party. Woo! People who bought Playgirl were men. And then after about three to four months, they hadn't got any complaints, so they brought in little more three to four months no complaints a little more by the end of a year and a half it was stocked just as much as the downtown shenders and they the way that it was explained to me is we kind of do it that way so we can kind of say hey nobody's complained about it we've been here for a year and a half and the city has had no problem with us being licensed so you can't change the rules on us and the thing is, this is, it wouldn't be the city changing the rules. It would be you brought in other stuff. You went from Playboy to <laughs> the stuff that uh, Steve Brown was talking to us about in his store when there were a ton of other customers around. And I'm just shaking my head. Dude, you just don't care, do you? <laughs> Corey, I, I want to say right now I am very, 
very proud of you. <laughs> because you derailed yourself. <laughs> and I have nothing to do with it. Your training is complete. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. No, no, no. Not where, oh. not where I go punish myself for derailing the conversation. <laughs> no, it's freaking a geeky Joe. What are you freaking on? There's a freaking hole in my Miracle Man omnibus. What? I mean, it's like somebody like poked a little line of, uh, I don't, I don't know. They had a pen and went like right along it. You, and it goes to, through the front cover into the uh, into the actual hardcover. Let DCB service know they'll replace it. I had a problem I, with an omnibus years ago where the last two pages were torn. Oh, uh, yeah. And they said, send it back and we'll replace it. They'll I, you replace know, I, it for I you. don't particularly care because it's like when I when I opened it, I know that I had a little ding on the corner because I've gotten it through my brain that, OK, these are not. Maybe might be, but they're not collector item. I bought it to read the damn thing. And if it gets dinged up, but damn it. (laughs) And the sad thing is it's on the front cover, you know, and the front cover, if you remove the dust jacket is a beautiful piece of art of on the miracle man. Um, So that's number one. Number two. uh, I don't know what's going on. Well, I guess I do know what's going on. Recession. Uh, Sales are just down. You know, I've been doing the eBay and, you know, again, part of it's probably because I don't have near as many items on there since eBay shut me down. But just sales are just really anemic and putzing along. Even got so bad that I, I missed it. Uh, Dreamhaven Books, our good buddy Greg Ketter, we, you know, munching on the Hydrox, declared that, hey, I don't know what sort of like, I don't know what happened, but we're doing half price Used books and back issues. Now, much as I would have loved to gone, I still haven't gotten to the last batch of used <laughs> books and back Same issues. Same here. You told me about it. It's like, <laughs> dude, I just went to Most Wanted. I haven't even brought those comics in oh. yet. And we just went there a couple of months ago. Uh. And all I can say is what we've talked about year after year for how many years, Corey? Oh, I, I have no idea. 14 years, at least. We've been, uh, Assuming we've... Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to uh, uh, geeking. Because I, I don't remember how long the gap was between our first and second and third show, shows. We did them but, weekly. We did them weekly. Okay. Anyways, guys, if you have stuff waiting at your local comic book store, pick it up. If you have extra money in your pocket to burn... Pick it up. If you've been waiting to pick up that Captain America Brent Schoonover book, apparently he's hanging out at Most Wanted this weekend. Pick it up. And I, I will as soon as I see it on the shelf. I haven't seen it in any comic store yet, but I will as soon as I find it. You know, January sucks for a lot of retailers. And it probably December probably sucked too, because looking at the national figures, overall retail spent buying was down. And this was during Christmas, the big time of the year. So, I, no, Joe, that, no, because in the third quarter, GDP growth was 2.9% because they made a big that, deal out of that. Yeah, maybe. But I also just read that in December, sales were down 4%. So, and again, you know, take it, it's all coming at you, whatever, believe what you will. 
but your local comic shop probably needs your help. So go pick up that graphic novel you've been looking at. Do like Corey and I have done. Go hit wherever, pick up some back issues, because you know you don't have everything. And if you do, we could probably use you on our show. We'll, we'll put you in a remote comic spot. But that'd be fun if people sent us in their own. These are the remote comics that I uh, I do. Anyways. Or so, talk about Corey, their shop. Corey and I can't do it all ourselves. So <laughs> so that that's the other thing I noticed, too, and I, I talk about it, is watching the guys who are buying and flipping CGC items. And they say, yeah, sales are down. Even on some of the major keys, like somebody said, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it was like giant size X-Men 9.8. One sold, the numbers are made up. One sold for 5,000, the next one sold for four. That's a hell of a drop. So I don't know if it's just because people were really, really bored during COVID or just despite what Wall Street's thinking, we're all like, yeah, I, I don't feel good about this impending government shutdown coming up that uh, recession type thing. So, oh, well, and I know we've talked in the past about helping your comic shops and what to do, how to buy comics in a recession. Marvel Unlimited, I'm looking like you. So that's what I'm freaking out. And there's colds going around. Not COVID, colds. They're back, you know. Corey, what you freaking on? Um, My first freaking is a small one, admittedly, but it's a hanging at the home story. I have talked in the past about my buddy. He is a 30-year-old autistic guy. He's about six foot tall, and he loves when I'm there. Oh, my gosh. When I get there, if he hears my voice or sees me, he comes over. He's clapping. He's dancing. He's pawing at me. He's utterly excited for about 20 minutes, and then he has run out of energy. And if I don't get him to his chair, he's going to go in his room and lay down. But if I get him to his chair, he'll sit there until it's time for meds. And then I give him his meds and he'll watch TV for a little while longer. And then he goes to sleep. Well, I worked Sunday. I was there for my 10 hour shift and he is doing something new, Joe. Uh-oh. Ever Have you ever had a cat or a dog live in your house? I had a cat for a while, which is amazing okay. because I'm allergic to cats. Uh, the cat, what did the cat do when you went to the bathroom? Sometimes, he, oh, sometimes he would hang out <laughs> by the door and meow. Yep. <laughs> Anytime I went to the bathroom, my buddy was right there tapping at the door, trying to get in, trying to figure out how to open the door. There were a couple of times where he just sat down and he does he, he doesn't sit down outside of a chair because he can't get up by himself. He's not coordinated enough. But he sat down, leaning into the door, so that when I opened the door, he fell on the floor. And it's okay. I need another staff here. We got to get Adam to stand up. I need to find a way to discourage this behavior because, man, that's too much pressure. It's too much pressure to try and go to the bathroom when you hear this the whole time. Oh, that's why Chris is always pissed at me. <laughs> uh, second thing I am freaking on, the original Wednesday Adams, Lisa Loring, passed away this week. 
yeah. at 64 years of age. Can I uh, can I interject other things that are freaky? Sure. Cindy Williams of Laverne yeah, and Cindy Shirley Williams just, just passed. passed away. I mean, even as we're talking. Oh. But with Lisa Loring, Wednesday Adams, I was when you were a kid, you watched the Munsters and the Adams family. And I thought the Munsters was OK, but I love the Adams family. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And as a little kid, of course, I wanted Wednesday Adams to be my girlfriend. Which, you know, has caused problems my entire adult life. Because I still want girls like Wednesday Adams in my life. And we've learned that's a bad choice. Right, Joe? Right. Yes. She oh, she didn't do a whole lot after the Adams family. She was in the Phyllis Stiller show and a few other things. But she was really big on the convention circuit. I never got to meet her. But that original Adams family was one of, if not my favorite show as a kid. And I think there are a lot of people who, when they watched the Adams family and they really keyed into it, it changed their whole perspective on the world. And the fact that Lisa Loring has passed away really kind of struck me when I heard about it. Just a darn shame. Joe, what do you what do you geek it on? All right. Where do I start? Where do I start? Oh, I know what I can do. You we got a new front you start door at the beginning. Yep. Which is the front door of our house. We got a brand new real door. Ooh. We went through Minnesota, Roscoe. Since 1955, which probably means absolutely nothing to anybody who doesn't live in Minnesota. But we ordered this door a while back, a real solid, honest-to-goodness door. It's got a, a really cool window storm door. And now during the summertime, we can uh, we have to prop the door open, and I'll tell you why in a second. And you ro- as you roll the window down, a screen unrolls with it. And then you roll the window up and you can do it bottom top. It's got its own deadbolt. So I'd probably have to let Holly know. We Yes, we did change the locks on the door, but not because we don't want you in the house. But it's it was expensive, but it's really just a beautiful thing. And the guys who came in and did it, first of all, as we talked at the top of the show, it's sub-zero outside. And these guys came and they installed not only that, but also a new door on our garage because it's, I mean, there was like a two inch gap at the bottom of our door for the garage. And we wonder why we have mice in it. Not really. But the fact that they did this and I said, guys, anytime you need, just come on in, warm up. But they didn't. They just got the job done. I think it might have taken a little longer than they thought. They thought it would take four hours. But as I talked to the guy, he says, yeah, this is a house. Built in 1920, they expect to have problems. But I didn't hear them complaining. I didn't hear them kvetching about it. They just went to work. They sealed off the inside door, which I left open for them in case they wanted to come in. But they didn't, and that kept the heat out. Also, remember, we got that brand-new gas fireplace. I pumped that sucker up. So even if it was getting cold coming in, the room was warm. I stayed upstairs most of the day just working on my eBay stuff because Chris had to work from home and had a bunch of meetings. She couldn't be interrupted. So if they had any questions or concerns, I was there. But I am so happy with them. I give a total 
thumbs up if you're going to buy anything from Minnesota Resco. And they do uh, windows, doors, siding, bathroom, other things. So just look them up online if you're in Minnesota. And I, I don't have the, uh, damn, I had the, the sheet with the guy's names, and I, I wanted to shout out to them. But they'll, they'll get theirs. They said if they if we leave a, theirs. well, they will, because they said <laughs> if we leave a five-star review and give them a thumbs up, they get an extra 50 bucks bonus for doing a job well done. And, oh, my gosh, Chris and I are so, so happy. So we've done some major upgrades in our house. New step and walks, new railing, new door, and, of course, the fireplace converted from wood to to gas. So uh, I tell you, I don't care if it's Sub-Zero, Corey. I'm just going to sit there and load up my comics and drink and not do anything. Speaking of comics, I mentioned earlier my beloved uh, – can you tell <laughs> – you hear me strain as I'm lifting the omnibus? My omnibus. Oh, yeah. I I opened it up to read. I I'm not sure where I am because the one. Oh, I, I guess I'm right after Winter is Born, and that was we we talked about that a while back. It was one of those comics where, as coming up, it was like, oh, advisory. They're actually showing childbirth, which means they have to show a woman's hoo ha. And it was tastefully done, I guess. Didn't you say, Corey, it's not the first time it was done in nope, comics? The, the first time they showed it anatomically correct was in uh, Don McGregor's Saber. And again, that was Eclipse, I believe. Yep. So, And this has been a lot of fun, again, because I didn't remember half of this stuff, which is why I'm digging it. I have the original Omnibus. If I ever get the Inklings, I will – I'm sorry – I have the original comics still. You know, one of the things Corey mentioned about why the coloring was so bad, they published it on actual newsprint, which is why it could be 75 cents versus, I think they were going more glossy and and I don't remember back in 84. I barely remember now. I do think if I recall, like in the first issue, when uh, Liz gets up out of bed after sleeping with, her husband, a.k.a. Miracle Man, that they, I th- thought they had her more revealed. And somebody said the panel where she's standing there, they kind of darkened it so you don't really see her uh, breasts that well. Although later on during the birth scene, they have the, uh, you know, she's breastfeeding, so go figure. But I I have enjoyed this. If you have never read this, Corey's giving it a a wonderful, outstanding review. And I got a double, if not triple it. I got it in omnibus form. Did they publish this, Corey, when Marvel reprinted it? Did they publish it in book form? No, it has been in um, regular comics and now in omnibus. Okay, so I don't, don't think get... they ever collected it in trade yeah. paperbacks. Just be wrong. Just stand there and you're wrong. Listen, be wrong and get used to it. So you don't have a lot of choices, but it is worth picking up, even if it is just the original writer doing it. In terms of other things, I actually read a couple of magazines. If you go through Target or Walmart, you see on the front counters, they always have those square bound magazines for about 15 bucks with different things. Up, oh, I'm sorry. They did. But it was quite a while ago. They reprinted uh, Miracle Man 1 through 4, 5 through 10, 11 through 16, 
And those were all in 2014. Okay, so maybe a little bit cheaper ways to pick it up. And of course, I have it. The originals, I have the new ones where they actually interspersed Marvel Man with it. And now I got the Omnibus, which is probably, and again, I don't know what I'll do with the other ones. I don't want to necessarily sell them off because there are changes between them, but whatever. The la- Anyways, these magazines I picked up, the last one I picked up was Casablanca, the greatest love story ever told. And of course, it's full of pictures and, oh, sorry, I'm looking at uh, uh, Ms. Bergman. Oof, beautiful. Anyways, I, I, I love these things. Mine got a little beat up because I threw it in my backpack and I just kind of, it got beat up because I always wanted something to read just in case. But I can't help but think these will be new age collectibles because you know, they had one come out in Godzilla. They had one come out in Marvel Comics. They had one come out in Stan Lee. Every month there's another one. They're fun to pick up. So... The other magazines I picked up, I mentioned the aforementioned back issue, number 140, which was an all-dinosaur issue covering Godzilla at Dark Horse, Sauron, the uh, X-Men villain who, despite a lot of uh, people's knowledge of of the character, only appeared in like three major arcs. Uh, Dinosaur Attacks, the cards, the comic series, Dinosaurs for Hire, which I never finished my run, which is... Now I want to because it's very much a product of the time, but full of humor and satire. Dinosaur Rex, Dinosaur Riders, Jurassic Park. I love back issue because when I read it, oh, how could I forget? Mark Schultz, Xenoic Tales, Cadillac and Dinosaurs. Whenever I read these books, this magazine, I just I get the urge to go find the comics in my collection or at least go out and read them and reread them. The one book I, I pick up sparingly now is Alter Ego. Mainly because I should just pick it up because when I read it, I enjoy it. But this one I read was issue number 179, which had a fantastic article on the 61st anniversary, because they blew their 60th anniversary, of the Fantastic Four and covered Stanley's 100th birthday. What I thought was absolutely amazing in there is the first article they had was if i can find it here a quick article by a gentleman if i can find a name i think his name is ken quattro where he talks about why he thinks well his his whole thing was the whole idea of fantastic four cosmic race originated from an old timely pulp and while Roy doesn't necessarily disagree with it. He does make a good argument for it. And then there was another article. And I, I, of course, I I lost all my bookmarks because I dropped them here. where Somebody was writing about how he thought Fantastic Four number one. Oh, here it is. Michael Feldman, Fantastic Four one patchwork classic. Yes. He goes on for three pages and brings up a very good reason why he thinks Fantastic Four was kind of a piecemeal put together. That it might have been from different stories. A lot of it has to do with, he, he points at different artwork and said, this is not Kirby. Mainly because Kirby couldn't draw that bad. But he's thinking they might have cut it. There's a lot of silhouette shots where there's no reason to be. 
and there's also a few other perspectives to this where it's talks about how it looks like maybe there were different stories and they were patched together differently because it's like in, in the second issue, Ben was originally in, in, you know, he's walking around in a top hat and trench coat where he takes it off and then it's back on and then it's gone and then it's back on again. Just, I'm not doing the articles justice, but you really got to read it because it was just fascinating. And of course the people involved with it are long gone. We'll never know. Uh, I think it was pretty, pretty good case. The other thing that caught me of interest, there was an 11 month gap. Am I getting that right, Corey, between issue two and three? Yes. Because, and again, they talk about Martin Goodman, who I love when people are bad-mouthing Stan Lee all the time. They forget Martin Goodman was the guy pulling the purse string, not necessarily Stan. But he talks about there was actually a time when it looked like Marv may have decided to just cancel everything. Because all of a sudden in this particular month, no Marvel or Timely Comics came out. Nothing. And then he got the sales figures for two and said, well, let's get issue three out. Just amazing. Boy, would you love to just go back and be a fly on the wall and write this stuff down? Because who the hell knew we'd be talking about it 61 years later? Just fascinating. So That is again, also the issue with the emails between Stan and Roy Thomas. Yes, which I have not read yet, and I'm looking forward to get to it. I did stop at a comic shop. Um, I didn't get to... Uh, Mostly issues or most issues, whatever I want to get there. But I did stop at Dragon's Lair, the shop on West 7th, right between me at, right in the airport. And I did look at a couple stuff. Just kind of I was bored. I ripped through a bunch of things. I don't know, Corey, how many how many copies of Death Mate do you have? Oh, I don't even know. You know what? I Probably think I'm gonna three go for, or four. Three I or think four, I'm going to go for NFL Super Pro because I picked up <laughs> I picked up three copies of the collector first edition. And then I've got the uh, re presenting the awesome origin issue where it's in comic book form. And then I found the issue number one, you know, which has Spider-Man in it. So it's a Marvel's newest. So, so I think if you find super pro, I'm just going to pick these up the way you pick up uh death mate. <laughs> Other than that, I did pick up some Superman adventures. That's the one where it's more in tune to the animated series consequently not tied into real continuity. They're only a buck. I may have had these already because I do recall picking up a ton of them before. So, but what do I care? It's only a buck. They also had a bunch of mad paperbacks there. Some of them I have, like the Dave Berg ones, I had to wait because I wasn't sure. Like the one, I am glad I did because I'm looking, I have Dave Berg, Berg, Dave Berg looks at modern thinking. And they had that there. And I, I was thumbing through it. And I'm like, wait, I'm pretty sure I had that. I did pick up Mad Book of Almost Superheroes, written and illustrated by Don Edwing. And they had a bunch more there. I'm, uh, now that I know which ones I have, I'll have to go back and, and try picking some up. In terms of watching things, I haven't really watched much. I did see the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. I can't even say it. Quantumania? Yep, Quantum Mania. I'm actually looking forward to that one. I may go see that one in the theater. I still haven't seen Thor or or uh, Black Adam or any of that, although it's sitting on my streaming service. The Picard 3 final trailer dropped. I'll probably be all over that. I am watching the original 
1978 Battlestar Galactica. I've always had a soft spot on this, mainly because I was, I think, what were we, 12 when that came out? 12, 13? Yeah. And I remember watching it with my dad. And, of course, the first show right during the cliffhanger was stopped because they had this peace and Middle East BS going on. Ha, never last. So I had to wait. But thank God ABC started up right where they had to break in. So I was able to watch it, even a, even just getting fidgety on a Sunday night, a school night, even though, you know, I really need to go to bed. No, no, they can stay up. We're going to finish this. And I'm glad I did. It is fun to re to rewatch because again, some of the details I miss and because I read comics and I mentally write stuff, I, Oh, I would just love to get a hold of the property and just write in things like that. It's just like we, we see right at the peace conference when everything fails, but I would love to see battles that happen beforehand, different things that were kind of cut out of the series. Cause as I watch the show, I go to the, one of the Battlestar Galactica Wikipedia's. It's one of the things that's always bothered me about the first episode. And I'm not going to go too far. Cause I'm only about three, four issues in issues episodes. You know, they sent all these Cylon Raiders to attack the battle stars at the peace conference. And with the exception of the Galactica, we think the other four were blown up. Really? That's all that there was left of the battle stars were five. Nobody thought, Hey, we better protect the home planets because then the base stars went there and they sent their Raiders down and really their, their Raiders destroyed entire planets. Think about fighters like a modern day fighter. Could it really destroy everything on a planet? What they didn't, what they did cut out is they cut out that the Cylons dropped plutonium bombs, which were their versions of nukes. They reused that in the revision Battlestar Galactica, and that's what destroyed the colonies. And there's little glimpses of that. I think when, I think Jolly and Boomer and Starbuck are on one of the ships that's falling apart. And he says something, yeah, we're checking for plutonium poisoning, which was a reference to the fact that the colonies were destroyed by plutonium, but they wrote that entire thing out. They even wrote out where I believe it was Serena or Cassiopeia. One of the two were going to die from plutonium poisoning. Um, Serena eventually did die, or Serena did die eventually. Just too bad because Jane Seymour was pretty hot. And they did leave Cassiopeia on, even though she was scheduled to die as well. So, but that fits headcanon to me. That's how a base star is so deadly. Because really, other than the final episode where we see the two firing out at each other, and a little bit in the Pegasus episodes, we don't really see why a base star is an orbiting killer. Well, because they can drop plutonium bombs apparently. And they just, they, for whatever reason, decided to write that out. The, I have the classic set where it was in the shape of a Cylon head and they do have a lot of deleted scenes, which are probably on the YouTubes by now, but sometimes the deleted scenes fill in gaps. that didn't make sense. Other times they get rid of things that are really bad. Like again, there was an episode where Starbuck disappears and, Athena tells Cassiopeia that, hey, just wanted you to know that Starbucks missing. 
And it's the old cliche where she pulls her aside and says, listen, I don't like you and you don't like me. And I'm like, oh, is that such a bad cliche? <laughs> but it's just a lot of fun. And again, I, I have a continuity how to undo Battlestar Galactica 1980. I may try to watch it when I get to it. Other than the last episode with, with deals with Starbuck, it's uh, it's been painful to watch. <sighs> I'm sorry. I, I started freaking again. Corey, what you geeking on? Um, I am also reading the Miracle Man Omnibus. I am up to, I think, issues, issue five. And there's so much stuff that I'd forgotten about. I'd forgotten yeah. about the uh, the guy with the sapphire teeth. I didn't forget about him. I just forgot why he was significant. I forgot that Chuck Austin is the person who took over once they started the once they'd run out of all this stuff in Warrior Magazine. I there was a lot that I still remembered. And a lot that, oh, my gosh, people have been stealing from for years. <laughs> I even posted one on on Facebook. Uh, what is the guy's name with the sapphire teeth? Ah, I could look it up quick, but I don't remember. Yeah, he's at the hospital interrogating someone. And he says, don't worry, I'm not here to. And he has to write it all because the guy's eardrums are blown. He was there when Miracle Man yeah, when the lightning hit and it blew his eardrums out. So he's holding it up. You know, I'm not I'm not here to kill you. And then he asks a bunch of questions. And then remember when I said I wasn't here to kill you? I lied. And he kills him. Mr. Cream. Yep, Mr. Cream. Now, here's the thing. I, one of the things that people love in the movie Commando, written by Jeff Loeb, comic book guy. When, remember when I told you I'd kill you last? Yeah, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> you know he stole that from Alan Moore. You know he stole that. And as I'm going through, it's like, oh, my God, they stole this, they stole this, they stole this, they stole this. That's why it's so cool to go back to the original. And I think in some ways, people who go back, who weren't there at the time, who go back, it's like, ugh, I, I read this somewhere. Yeah, you have, because everybody stole from it. Also, Box Day came on Saturday. Oh, maybe I'll get mine next week. Um, there was a one freaking in that the Marvel previews they sent was the one from last month. <laughs> but I looked on my invoice, and it was listed as the January Marvel preview. So... <laughs> So I had two of them. I did get the omnibus for uh, Dark Knight Metal. But that's not what I read. Nope. First thing I read was Knights of the Dinner Table, number 300. I believe they are now the third indie comic book to reach 300 issues. First was Cerebus, second was Spawn, now Knights of the Dinner Table. I think the only other one that's going to hit that is going to be Savage Dragon. I don't think any other indie book is going to hit 300 issues. And then lastly, I got an email from my daughter-in-law. She went down to Pulp Comics because she works in Mankato. Ooh. So it's not hard for her 
she works at the Mankato College Library, so she just went over to Pulp and loaded up. She sent me a picture, basically saying, I went here, I bought a bunch of comics, see? Kind of, mm-hmm. hey, I want my father-in-law to be proud of me. Cool. And what did I do? I looked at the first, I said, oh, that's cool, tell me what you got. Yeah, da 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 But I looked at the picture, and I went, wait a minute. That's a Marvel Essential. Ooh. Any Marvel Essential you buy, as long as it's less than cover price, I will pay you for. So she went back and picked it up. It was the Avengers Essential with the Kree Scroll War in it. She got it for a dollar. A dollar, Joe. Anytime you're ready to road trip. (laughs) Well, their sale is over. Oh, but I imagine they'll have another one. And they've always got the dollar room. What it was, their dollar room was, you know, instead of dollar comics, they were 50 cent comics. But keep working weekends. But it, she got it for a dollar and she asked me about it. And I said, OK, you've got some great John Buscema art. You've got some great, you know, this. But what you want to read is the Cree Scroll War, which is drawn by Neil Adams. And she said she was flipping through it and went, oh, this is really cool looking. So, yes, Neil Adams still looks cool to a 25-year-old. I will mention you said email and something came to mind. I got a message through our eBay service, or my eBay service, I should say. Uh, One of our listeners goes under CapBilly669, says, Hi, I listen to the show, and I like it a lot, one of my favorites. I know you get the previews catalogs late. Here are links to download everything. And he gave me two two links. And one of them I think you know, Corey, it's from lunardistribution.com. Yep. And then for Marvel, prhcomics.com backslash catalog. And then of well, course Diamond has alternateworlds.com where they have their pre-order catalogs as well. And you could also subscribe to Marvel Previews at Amazon Prime, and it will be delivered to your Kindle. The day Marvel releases it. So I do you actually that, get it the day before it hits comic shops. I do see. I'm just looking here. Well, Cat Billy has nothing else, but uh, he it does say on his feedback, which is 100%, which is always good. He has sold 218 items. Ooh. So Cat Billy 669, if you ever put anything up, send me a note and, you know, we'll blurb it on the show after I look, of course, because I, I feel I deserve First grab. By the way, if if you're looking, I'm still at crazy K R A Y Z. I say that because I just spent all afternoon while I was waiting for the fireplace or the door guys to finish. I put up a ton of My Little Pony comics, and I'm always the cheapest price on eBay, and I'll go cheaper for our good listeners. So you know what I like to say. Come get some. Now, Joe. Do you follow on YouTube uh, what the, the the Uncanny Omar? I don't think so. He is the guy who makes all the announcements for Marvel for the upcoming omnibuses. And he just announced two Hulk omnibuses for next November. So, y- yes, we're already getting omnibus announcements for November of 2023, which means they won't come out until 2024. Which, boy. <laughs> but if you have questions for the uncanny omar about 
omnibuses. I'm interviewing him on the 21st of February. Oh, sweet. And you have that day off, so maybe you can join me. Let me look forward. The reason I asked because uh, we're we're entering. It wasn't a freaking because I never freak about it, but we're entering mandatory overtime. So oh. I got to wait and see if I get nailed on that day. But what day was that? That is, I believe, the 21st, which is a Tuesday. Ooh. Tuesday. Cool. I'll see if I can keep it off. All right. I will be grabbing a lot of overtime, too, because of uh, legal legal crap I have to deal with. But that's for another podcast. Believe it or not, kids, you've listened to us blather on about funny books for an hour and a half. And as always, thank you. And as we say every week, the comic we like the least, we still like better than the comic that you like the most. Joe? All right, Corey. You want a dad joke or a try this? I'd rather do a try this. All right. Follow along, folks. This is interactive. How smart is your right foot? You have to try this. Absolutely true. There are some things our brain cannot handle. All right. Sit in a chair. Lift your right foot off the floor. Make clockwise circles with it. Now, while doing this, draw the number six in the air with your right hand. Your foot will change directions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. It's stupid. But before the day is done, you'll try it. And you'll try it again, trying if you're not already done so. That's today's Try This. Corey, hit my music. Done, bitches!